our Father, how, how wonderful it is that you love us and that there's no one that we have to go to to find your love except Jesus, that uh, he speaks to us, he offers forgiveness, and he's with us. And we worship him. We worship him this morning and him only. And we ask that everything we do bring honor to him. We ask that as he's lifted up, each of us in this room are drawn closer to him. We pray for those who are struggling spiritually, struggling with confidence in their relationship with you, who, who doubt their salvation. We pray for those who know they're lost and going to hell if they die. Father, we pray that when this morning is over, every person in this room will know without any doubt they have committed their lives to Christ and received his forgiveness and his salvation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this morning we're continuing this teaching series on the 500-year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. We're going to focus on, on, on Jesus, that it's all about Jesus. We don't need anyone else. We don't need anything else. Uh, it's, all about, it's all about Jesus. And I invite you to open, open your Bible with me, please, to the, to the Gospel of uh, Luke, chapter 22. Now, a little differently this morning, we're not going to come to that passage until the very end of the sermon. But I want you to be ready because when, when we get to it, we need to get to it fast. So Luke 22, there will be some other verses on the screen we'll look at uh, before, uh, before then. I'm going to invite uh, Todd Robotelli to come up. We're going to talk for a few minutes as we begin uh, the message this morning because God did a miracle in his life last weekend. He really did. Todd uh, went on uh, a dig retreat. Uh, deeper intimacy with God. That's a, a small number of men that go away for a weekend, and it's, it's an invitation uh, from some of our men's ministry leaders. And uh, they pray, who does God want to, to go on that next retreat? Just a small group. And they just dig deep, dig deep. And while he was there this weekend, and he's been a member here. How long have you been a member of this church, Todd? 16 years. All right, 16 years. But uh, as you're going to hear, uh, he was struggling spiritually and had no confidence in his salvation. On that dig retreat last weekend, he gave his heart to Jesus, and he was baptized in the river up there uh, in the mountain. So give God a hand for that. <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit and, and uh, uh, tell us, just talk to us a little bit, Todd, about what was missing, what your struggle was. Describe what was going on in your life before, before the retreat. Um. See, I've been a member here 16 years, and, you know, somebody said we were just doing church. Come to church, you know, pray, hey, leave, everything's great. Yeah. And then you start your week, and everything's not great. So um, <clears throat> I kept coming to church, and I'm, I'm missing out on stuff. And I've seen other people, how they were living, and how um, they had Jesus in their lives, and we were still smiling and up here doing what we do. Yeah. I was missing all that. What were some of the things that were going on in your life or going on here at church that God started, uh, you know, getting your attention with? Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this all week, especially after we talked. Um, one thing that really hits me is seeing our Pastor David Mitchell, what he went through losing a child, and he still gets up here mm -hmm. and thinking, praise the Lord. Um, you know, I'm like, how, how, is it, how is that? I mean, I'm still just coming into church and leaving, and I feel good, but I don't have it here. 
And then I know there were a, a couple of events recently. For instance, Matt, uh, Matt Greer shared his testimony, yes. kind of similar to yours, yes. baptized young and uh, realized he really wasn't a Christian, went through that struggle, and then right. made a profession. Talk about that Sunday and, and what you were what you did in response to that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, Matt Greer got up here, never met the, the, the man before, and he, he said that, you know, yeah, he was baptized younger like I was, but I was still lost, and his uh, testimony really hit. It was similar to mine that I didn't know where I was at in my walk with God, and so I said a prayer, you know, towards the end, you know, God, just make a difference in my life. Show me something that um, will change me. So after service was over, I was leaving, and Mike Matthews stopped me and asked me to go on a speak retreat, and it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, wow, this is this is real. So you felt God so, was answering your prayer. Yes, God answered my prayer. So, um, and then you were talking. You, you were sharing with me about a few weeks ago. You know, some of you remember we had uh, the the card in your bulletin asking you to put names of people you were going to pray for who were lost. And uh, how, what happened when you saw that card? I couldn't write anybody's name down. You know, I was writing my own name down, and you know, I had to pray for myself. And um, I could think of people, but I'm like, I'm no better than them. So. Um, you know, I didn't write anybody's name down, and you know, I just kept moving forward. So you go to the retreat um, Friday night through Sunday, yes, sir. And uh, talk to us about share with us what was going on Friday evening, uh, what was happening in your life. And just walk us kind of through the through the weekend. Uh, through my life, um, we had to get up and share a little bit about ourselves, and and I shared with the group that you know I was baptized before I was married, and to me it felt like I got baptized because the preacher pastor would not marry us if I wasn't baptized in the Baptist church. So that's something, you know, I, I said, okay. Because I was raised in a Catholic church and then, you know, met my wife. and So I got baptized. Hey, everything's great. You know, we're doing church. We're doing church. And, um, you know, that just tugged on me that, you know, I didn't have that connection. So you're sharing your story with them Friday night. And yes. What did you say about where you were spiritually when you, when you were sharing your background? Did you confess that, hey, guys, I, I don't know if I'm saved? Correct. Yes, I, I confessed that, that I, you know, I wasn't saved. I didn't feel saved from that. So, uh, you know, some of them were like, hey, we can go do this right now. And But, you know, we had other things going on, so we finished up the evening. And then the next day, some through some of our workshops and through some of our activities, um, they had us with a little spoon taped to our, our <laughs> pen, and we are shoveling manure. And like, you know, one of the leaders. It's, like, a, it's hey, a guy thing. It is. And, and it was like, hey, this is the manure that you carry, you know, and that God, this is your burden. You know, God leaves you all your crap you have. And, <laughs> and I hate to say but that. He does. But, uh, you know, and then we took that spoon afterwards, right before we went to go eat. We didn't eat with the spoon. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it was, uh, we had to clean it. And they had water, red water. And, you know, I, I cleansed my spoon. And it just hit me with a ton of bricks. You know, what I've done with this spoon and what it represented. Mm. And the red water was on my hand. And it just, it hit me then. So before we ate, I stood up and, you know, claimed my faith and, and wanted to. Uh, because something happened, happened in there when you saw right. that red on your hand, didn't it? You know, like somebody else said, I had it in, and you'll see it on, you know, had it on my in my head, but it wasn't in my heart. But it hit me there. And yeah. It was in my heart. Amen. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. 
All right, so uh, you share with them now you've got Christ in your heart, you're saved, and uh, then then you get baptized, right? Yes. Tell us about the baptism. Um, it was really, really amazing. It was so like, felt like the weekend was set up for it. Um, the Friday before, the Friday we got there, some of the, the uh, people are helping us. They said there was a man down along the river putting in steps along the Green River. And for some reason, he was there finishing these steps up. And they don't know why. There was just a lot of beating and banging, but they wanted, you know, they didn't need him to be there. So, yeah, I accepted Christ. That Saturday, we went down to those steps, and it was just those steps seemed like they were built for just that, for you. For that yeah. reason. Yeah. So, got in the river and, uh, you know, got baptized. Yeah, Mike Matthews. Ba- hey, by the way, look at the screen. We're going to show you the video of, of Mike Matthews baptizing, one of our deacons baptizing uh, Todd. So, let's watch this. today in Todd's decision to accept Christ as his Savior without any confusion, with full knowledge. And so today, in the name of the Holy Spirit, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you as a brother in Christ. How do you feel now? You know, I feel free. I feel, you know, the burden's gone. Um, those sins were gone. You know, we're going to sin every day, but we got to stay, you know, in the Word. And that's something I, I'm working hard on, but I feel free. I can live yeah. my life. That's a great word, free, because you don't have to try to be saved. You right. are saved. Yes, sir. Amen. God bless Thank you. you. Thank you, Todd. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. <clears throat> We, we talked last Sunday morning how Martin Luther, who's the central figure in the Protestant Reformation from the 1500s, struggled with the very same issue Todd was talking about, not, not knowing that he had a relationship with God, wanting it so much. And the truth is there are a lot of really good people who go to church all the time doing their best to be a good Christian, but they don't have any confidence in their relationship with Christ. They don't, they don't feel confident that they're saved. They're, they're trying, they're trying, but, but there's no freedom, there's no peace, and, and they just feel like something's, something's missing. They, they don't understand the personal relationship. They've never experienced it. They, they've got church. They have religion. They do stuff. But Jesus, they don't, they don't have him in their heart and in their life. And and that's what Luther struggled with during his years uh, as a monk and his years as a professor at the university in Wittenberg and the pastor of that parish church. All of these things he was doing to try to find peace with God. And, and, and nothing he did, nothing he did, nothing he did brought that peace to him, gave him that freedom that he eventually had when he met Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And last Sunday we said, remember, salvation. Listen, uh, you remember this? Salvation is by Grace alone through faith alone. Can you say that with me? By grace alone through faith alone. Say it again. By grace alone through faith alone. Today I want us to drill down a little deeper on that. Because grace and faith are all centered in Jesus Christ. And so I want us to look at some Bible verses on the screen. We're going to read them in unison. Then I want to talk about them 
a little bit and help you understand this just a little bit better than maybe you already do. The first one we looked at last Sunday, so, but let's, let's look at it again, John 3.16. Say it with me, church, in unison. Let's read it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the New American Standard Translation. All you King James folk want to say everlasting life, didn't you? <clears throat> That's how I learned it too. But notice, it's all about love. That's what grace is. God's love for us, a love we don't earn. It is unmerited, the word grace, unmerited favor. The favor God gives us, and we don't do anything to merit that grace, anything to earn that love. Keep that in mind because that's an important point. And because God loves us, he gave. That's what love does. He gave his son. He gave out of generosity, out of compassion, out of love. And says, if you believe, if you have faith, if you trust, then you don't, you don't have to worry about perishing because instead I'm going to give you eternal life. Let's look at another verse, Acts 4.12. Read it with me in unison, church. The Bible says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which... We must be saved. Now notice what it says there. Salvation. Being saved from our sin, the consequences of our sin, the penalty of our sin, the punishment of our sin, being rescued from it. Remember that because that's an important point. It's found nowhere else and no one else because there is absolutely no other name that's been spoken on planet earth other than the name of Jesus through whom you can experience salvation if you're going to see heaven must experience salvation christ is the only answer is him and him alone again our focus this morning jesus jesus alone just like it's by grace alone through faith alone it's in jesus alone he's he's the only one another passage john chapter 14 verse 6 jesus speaking here read it with me in unison church jesus said to him i am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus saying, I am using, he's really going back to the Old Testament and using the sacred name of God, the God of Israel, Yahweh, I am. When he said, I am, everybody in that audience knew what he was saying, that he was God, that he was divine. And he said, as such, I alone am the way. I alone am the truth. I alone am life. Not just physical life, but spiritual life, everlasting life. And then in very emphatic terms, no one comes to the Father. No one makes it to heaven except through through what? Through whom? Through me? Through Jesus. One more passage. First John chapter five, verses eleven and twelve. Let's look at this and read it in unison. Verse eleven. And the testimony is this that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. 
so clear. This is what God says, that he's given us eternal life in Jesus Christ. If you have Jesus in your life, he who has the Son, if you have Christ in you and you are in Christ, if you have him in you, he says you have life. And notice it's not future, it's present tense. And if you do not have the Son of God in your life, if you do not have Jesus in your life, he says very clearly, you do not have life. Not just in the future, but in the present tense. See, you either have life or you don't. You are either saved or you're not. You're either forgiven or you aren't. You're either in eternal life now or you're not. It's, 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 it's now. It's not just God determining something in the future if you have Christ in you now. It's what you mean when you're talking about now you, you feel free and you've got this peace. It's because Christ is in you. And, and he's already brought all of those gifts. They're yours. They're your possession. And you get to enjoy them both now and forever. And then one last passage. I love this one. It's one of my favorite verses. 1 John 5, 13. Notice what he says. Read it with me, church. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. The verses we read a moment ago are the verses immediately before this. He's saying that everything that's written in Scripture has this purpose, so you can know. Notice the certainty, the confidence with which God wants us to live. You can know that you have eternal life. Too many people, when you talk to them about heaven and about forgiveness and about eternal life, well, I hope so. I think so. Well, I, you know, I, I think probably. And God says, that's not how I want you to live. You can know, and I've given you my word, and if you study my word, you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And in that freedom, you can know you have eternal life. Don't let anybody tell you you can't know for certain that you're saved. Don't let anybody tell you that because God says that's not true. You can know, and God wants you to know whether or not you have a relationship with him. But did you notice the commonality in all of those Bible passages? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about knowing him. It's all about loving him. It's all about Jesus. But so often in life, we as human beings make it Jesus plus something. Jesus plus me and some things I do. Jesus plus me and my accomplishments, my religious activity, my, my participation in, in tradition and rituals and etc. Me and Plus, plus, it's Jesus plus my family heritage and, and all the years I've been in church. It's, it's Jesus plus me in some way. Something I do. <clears throat> we, we, we as human beings do that all the time because on some level, our pride does not want us to acknowledge that we are absolutely 1,000% completely dependent on someone else to save us. We like to think that somehow we contributed to it. Now, it may be mostly Jesus, 
but I did a little bit. And God says, there's not one thing you can do to save yourself. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's not Jesus plus anyone. It's just Jesus and Jesus alone. But this tendency to make it Jesus plus me, Jesus plus something I do, Jesus plus something else, is, it's not new. It's always been that way among human beings because of our pride. In the Middle Ages, when the Reformation occurred, it was a significant problem in the church, in Europe, in Catholicism. Jesus plus other things. And, and a couple of things in, in particular were a real problem that, that God used to, 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 to get Martin Luther's attention and, and bring us back to a clearer understanding of Scripture and what it says about salvation. And one of those was the use of, of relics. Relics are simply things, physical, tangible things that remain from the past. And, and in religious circles, a relic is something that is a, a remnant, a, something that was connected as an item that is somehow associated with someone that's been declared a saint in the past. These, these super saints, these super believers that the church, the Catholic church in particular, has declared to be saints. It could be anything from bones, uh, body parts like, a, like a, a hair, personal possessions, whether it was a Bible, a, a book of prayer, a piece of clothing, anything that touched them, on and on. There, there, are, there are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of things thought to be relics. And, and, and when you venerate them, not, not really worship them, but when you honor them and venerate them, God gives you extra grace. And in the Middle Ages in particular, this really got out of hand. It was the idea that, that you have these saints in heaven, and, and since they're closer to Jesus, they're more intimate with Jesus than you are, they can talk to Jesus for you. And so you pray to them, you talk to them, and you're asking them, because they're in heaven, and they're, they have a deeper relationship, and they're closer to Christ. So you ask them to, to, to plead your case, if you will, to speak on your behalf, to intercede for you. And, and when you honor their relics, that's more likely to happen. And, and some of that grace is going to be poured out on you. Frederick the Wise was, was a powerful man during Luther's day. He was, he was the prince of Saxony, um, the area where Luther lived and taught and so on in Germany. He's the one who started the university in, in, in Wittenberg. And, and after the Pope and the, the Holy Roman Emperor, uh, Charles wanted to, to execute Luther he, Frederick was the one who, who protected him, who protected him for a lot of different reasons. But Frederick the Wise, because he was, he, he, he was a very, you know, uh, devout Catholic religious guy who, in turn, who, who eventually be, came to believe most of what Luther said. But he had this massive collection of over 19,000 relics. Because if you possess these and you honor them, Somehow there's extra grace given to you and you can get out of purgatory a little bit earlier. Among his relics supposedly was a twig from the burning bush when Moses met God on Mount Sinai. I guess it didn't all burn up. Well, well, the Bible says it didn't, but uh, I don't remember Moses digging it up and taking it anywhere. I shouldn't have said that. 
he, he, he had some hay from Jesus' manger. I guess after Mary and Joseph moved away, the cattle didn't eat the hay. And others that I won't mention because they are really interesting. But people would, would pay money to venerate, to honor these relics. And it made some people who were unscrupulous wealthy. And that's one of the things that really bothered Martin Luther. Now, I need to, to be honest and clear and fair that after the Reformation, the Catholic Church did develop some very strict rules for relics that cleaned up a lot of those abuses, got rid of them. You can't sell them, rules dictating how they're, how they're protected, but they still believe in relics and asking the saints in heaven to intercede for you. And, and, and because of that, you can receive some extra benefits, some, some extra grace. They don't, they don't believe, now don't misunderstand, Catholics do not believe relics are magical. They do not believe there's any inherent power in that relic. Now, some superstitious Catholics who don't really understand the faith may go there, but the church teaching doesn't believe they're magical. But they do teach that just as God worked through that saint, God can work through that relic that's associated with that saint. And if you honor it, venerate it, then there are special benefits that can come to you, blessings and cures and, and so on. So it's, it's, it's more than just remembering something and an inspiration. It's a little bit more than that. But Luther was troubled by, by all these relics that uh, some of it just stretches the imagination, doesn't it? And how they were used. So it's like you're putting something in there that, that you need these things to help you to help you encounter the grace of Jesus. Another thing that really troubled him was, was indulgences and purgatory. Bothered him deeply. Now, the Catholic Church still teaches indulgences and purgatory. They, they, they cleaned up some of the abuses again of the Middle Ages. But the belief is that uh, most, most people don't go directly to heaven. You may not be bad enough to go to hell, but you're not good enough to go to heaven. And thus purgatory. Your sins are forgiven, but here's, here's what you have to understand. And this is, this, I think that's where some of us are. We, we, we may not think of ourselves as Catholics, but if we're not careful, we think the same way without knowing it sometimes. Because the teaching in the Middle Ages and still today was that you're forgiven Jesus' death on the cross purchased full forgiveness when you repent of your sin. You're forgiven, but you still have to suffer for your sin. You still have to be punished for your sin. It's, 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 it's temp, called temporal punishment in contrast with eternal punishment, which is consignment to hell for eternity. But because of our sin, even though we're forgiven, we still have to be punished for them. We still have to suffer for them. And some of that happens in this life, but much of it, most of it happens in purgatory. And like we said last Sunday, it's in purgatory where you are purged over time through your suffering, punished for, purged, purified for all those sins. So you're forgiven, but you still have to go and suffer. And so the punishment's not done away with. Through forgiveness, you have to bear it out, so to speak. And through indulgences, through indulgences, the punishment is shortened. It's lessened. In some cases, done away with. The time in purgatory is shortened. It's 
lesson. And um, these saints, these saints in heaven stored up extra merit, extra grace. And it's almost like there's a bank account. There's this spiritual treasury. And when you honor these relics and you do these things, then it's out of that extra grace that you receive some of it. That, you're, that you don't have, you, you receive it, and therefore you get out early. That's, that's the way that process works. Pope, uh, Pope Francis, in 2013, traveled to Brazil and had a large youth rally. And they announced that if you were unable for legitimate reasons to attend the rally, but you followed it on social media, and you did so with the spirit of prayer and submission to the papacy, you received a full indulgence. See, the problem then, now, for, for, for any of us who go to any Christian church is when, when we add something and say, yeah, it's Jesus, but, Jesus, but, Jesus, Plus, Jesus, plus. It's not what Scripture's saying. Because in Scripture, it's just Jesus and nothing else. Now, as I said, we, we, we do the same thing. As I mentioned last Sunday, I, I ask people, are you, are you a Christian? I hope so. Are you saved? Yeah, I think so. How do you know? And then they start talking about how long they've been a member of the church. Are you going to heaven? Yeah, I think so. How, how do you know? Well, you know, I, you know, when I was when I was thirteen, I, I got baptized. Are you forgiven, saved, and have eternal life? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Well, how do you know? Well, you know, I, I try to do the best I can. I read my Bible every day, and you know, and, and I, I pray, and and I'm trying, I'm trying really hard to be a good Christian. See, you see what we do? It may not be as formalized among us as it is with certain other Christian groups, but it's the same principle that for some reason we struggle to say it's just Jesus. What he did on the cross is not only enough to buy my forgiveness, it's enough to buy my freedom from suffering and from hell, and I don't have to bear all that. His blood washes it all away. When, when, now, we're, we're coming to Luke, so are you ready? When, when Jesus was crucified, two, two thieves were crucified with him. You remember that? He's in the middle. And one of those thieves starts attacking Jesus on the cross. He's, he's on the cross, and Jesus is on the cross, and he's hurling abuse at Jesus. He's criticizing Jesus. He's laughing at it and making fun of Jesus. What a way to die. You know, some people are fools to the very end, and he was. But the other thief looked at the first one and said, Man, this is the Steve Hogg paraphrase, you're crazy. <laughs> he said, you and I, 
we're getting what we deserve. We deserve to die. We we earned this cross. We earned execution. We're criminals. We're, we're just getting what we deserve. But this man, Jesus, hasn't done anything wrong. And he doesn't deserve this. And then that thief in Luke 23, verse 42, looking at Jesus, notice, notice what he did. He, he said, Jesus, what did he say, church? When? When you come into your kingdom, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus answered in verse 43, truly I say to you, when? 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 You shall be with whom? Where? Paradise is the kingdom. It's heaven. When? Today. Now, brothers and sisters, this man... This man was not a saint. This man was a criminal. This man deserved execution. This man did nothing good. This man had no good works. This man had no religious works. This man participated in no church activity. This man participated in no rituals of any kind. This man simply said, I'm a sinner. I deserve death. This man simply looked at Jesus on the cross and said, Jesus, it's you alone. Remember me. That's all he did. Acknowledged his sin and in genuineness repented and confessed and believed and said one simple, authentic prayer. And this man, who other than that one prayer had nothing saintly about him, to him, this man, Jesus said, today, they were both going to die today, you will be with me in paradise. You don't have to suffer after death for your sins. You don't have to suffer the punishment because it's all done away with now when you are forgiven. Aren't you glad, church? You ever watch these amazing people do their their act, the trapeze? You ever you ever watch that? Isn't it? Uh, any of you want to do it? I think I want more than one net down there below to catch catch me. But in that photograph, you basically you have, you have two people. One one is called the catcher. The other one is the flyer. The catcher is the one whose feet, knees, legs are still attached to that bar. He's always there. He's the one that catches. The flyer is the one who lets go and flies through the air. Now, here's the thing. Which one, because, when, 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 you know, they fly and, and, and they connect arms, and right, and fly together. Which one grabs which one? Do you know? The flyer does not grab. The flyer, the one who lets go of the bar and just lunges out into the open, just simply places his or her arms out to be caught. 
The catcher grabs. The catcher grabs. Because if both of them try to grab, they're more likely to miss. You can't grab Jesus. You'll miss. You just have to fly, totally trusting in him to catch you. That's what faith is. You trust him completely. You throw yourself out there on his mercy, and you have nothing in and of yourself to save yourself. You just trust him completely. That's faith. And when you do that, he grabs you. Have you ever thrown yourself out there and just let Jesus grab you? Have you ever come to the place where you said, ever, ever, nothing, nothing I do, all this stuff, it won't work. Have you ever just said, Jesus, I'm just putting myself totally, completely in your hand? Brothers and sisters, listen, 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 listen. You do that, and Jesus will always grab you. So let's let's add to that statement. I want you to say it with me. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Say it with me again. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. One last time. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Are you in Jesus or still making it Jesus plus something else? Pastors are going to be here at the front. And when we sing this hymn of invitation, you, I'm inviting you. If this morning you need to throw yourself out, you need to be that flyer that flyer who just puts yourself out there and says, I can't rescue myself. I can't save myself. I'm, I'm just putting myself out there. And Jesus, I'm trusting you to grab me. I'm asking you to come to the front where we will be standing when we sing this song and say today, Pastor, I'm giving my life to Jesus completely and trusting him and him alone to save me. And if you've already done that, but haven't been baptized as Todd was last weekend, come and let us know you want to be baptized as a way to publicly state that you've given your life to Christ. We invite you also to join our church and say, I want to be a member of this church and grow here, serve Jesus here, be a faithful servant for the kingdom here. Come and pray at the altar. Let's stand together as we sing. You come and give your life to Christ. He wants you to know you're saved.